Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Streets of San Francisco. A Quinn Martin production. Starring Carl Malden. Also starring... Jeremy! I got one thing. Get it. Tonight's episode, Mr. Nobody. Hey there, that that's me. I am your host, Patrick Riley. Hello. 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 Yeah, he- hello. Hi. Hi there. Yes, welcome to the Riley and Kimmy Show, the place that offers a daily pop culture talk show. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi, I am your host, Patrick Riley. Uh, that's so true. And right next to me is a person who uh, hopefully does not hate me. She's one of the few, and that is Kimmy. Hello, Kimmy. Hey there. Uh, hey there. Hi there. Ho there. Nobody hates Kimmy. Everybody loves Kimmy. I mean, I, I'm I'm the villain. She is the hero of every single episode. I am the villain of the story. That's me. That's right. I wear that with a badge of honor. Kimmy is quite happy. It is a Saturday. <laughs> a Saturday and welcome to this cartoon alternative type of episode. We have the living breathing cartoon right next to me. That is Kimmy. She's she's actually relaxing and energizing up. That's right, recharging her batteries because the Riley and Kimmy show is about ready to get ready to head out. That's right, the Riley and Kimmy Show is getting ready to head out and about. Kimmy is energizing, plugged in, uh, uh, doing uh, some meditation kind of things, getting ready for a very big event just on the horizon. Now, you can check out our previous episodes. That is 1,426 for an audio clue. Also, 1,425 has a couple of audio clues on it, or I guess one's an audio clue and another one is just a, a clue. We'll be revealing the event on our Facebook page. You can find links to our social media on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Also, archived episodes and celebrity interviews and nerd information and news, pop culture news. And by the way, you can follow the Riley and Kimmy Show daily. We have brand new episodes every single day. They are available also on iHeartRadio. We're proud to be part of iHeartRadio and iTunes and other social media platforms as well. You can find all those links on our website. What is our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com. RileyandKimmy.com. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play a game? That is the big question. Does Kimmy want to play nerd and pop culture trivia on this Saturday, November 11th? By the way, happy Veterans Day to everybody. 
Thank you for those who have served. Do you want to play, Kimmy? Why, yes, I do. Feel free to shout out answers to Kimmy. She believes in time travel answers. We have a timeline of trivia for her. So yell at whatever computing device you're listening to the Riley and Kimmy show on right now. It could be anything because we are mobile. We are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth. Don't miss a single episode. If you miss a little, you miss a lot with the Riley and Kimmy show. Very first question we have for you is, well, Kimmy, it's it's kind of a map oriented. That's right. Atlas oriented. But it's also pop culture oriented. We will fuse the two together this way. It was on this date in 1926. A certain U.S. highway is established. Now, a, well, a few years later, it would become part of pop culture in a song and then a TV show. See if you can tell me the name of that highway. Let's see if Kimmy knows the name of that highway that came to be in 1926. What is the name of the highway, Kimmy? Route 66. You're a route, not a route. You're a route person, huh? It depends. Well, you're wearing depends on this episode of the Riley and Kimmy show? Is that what you're saying? Oh, she's looking at me with that very, very, like, don't you go there, mister. What are you doing? Okay, so it's route or route, right? It depends Okay. on my mood. <laughs> okay, well, I hope her mood stays good. I don't know if it is right um, now. You're not helping it. Oh, well, hey. Oh, well, we're trying. Yes, Route 66 is the answer. And by the way, have you ever seen the TV series Route 66? No. You've never seen a single episode of Route 66? No. I think you'd find it kind of cool. You know, they're uh, traveling around America, which is a unique thing at the time because they actually shot on location. They were traveling around America in a Corvette. Never seen that one, huh? Mm, not a whole episode, no. Oh, it's cool to uh, check it out if you have an opportunity because it is definitely a time capsule that is Route 66. They spent some time in Florida back in the mid 1960s, early to mid 1960s, and it's you just—it's a trip seeing some of the uh, the locations. Mm. Alaska is in there, and oh. Daytona? Yeah, Daytona Beach is one that's in there, and some others as well as, uh, you know, uh, the Crystal River area, too. And mm. Oh, it's just really cool seeing the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. That's Route 66. Wouldn't have had the Route 66 TV show if the highway hadn't come to be on 1926 on this date in history. Kimmy, we have another music kind of question because that was kind of music based too we have a music question for you this is from 1938 this person first sang this song that would become a signature song for her she first sang it on radio on this date 1938 and she would eventually be singing it on television she'd sung it many many times also on stage in live appearances and things like that tell me who this is Kimmy, the year's 1938. She sang that for the first time on radio. That's Irving Berlin's God Bless America. 
She's hanging on network radio. It would become her signature song. Who is it? Kate Smith. You are exactly right. Now, do you have that recording? No, I don't. You do now. It'll be on your MP3 player before you know it. Moving to something else happening on this date in history, 1954. Publication of Two Towers, the second volume of Lord of the Rings, is released. Who is the author? Um, J.R. Tolkien. That's correct. The year is 1965. Walt Disney announces a project in Florida. Any guess what it might be? Hmm. Could it be Disney World? It could be. The year is 1976. This band releases the album Rock and Roll Over. It has a couple of hits from it. See if you can identify the band. Here's one of their hits that peaked at number 16 on the Billboard Hot 100. The only one. The song that would become extremely big for their live performances, they would rarely not perform that at a concert. Can you tell me who it is? I cannot. Good, Kimmy, because we're going to move to clue number two here. We have the second. Well, I don't remember which one was first. Whether it was Calling Dr. Love was released first or this next one. But this one actually went up just a little bit bigger on the charts. It hit number 15 on the Billboard Hot 100. The song was written for somebody else. But the lead band member, the lead singer, said, uh, no, no. I don't want that person to have this song. I want us to do it, and I want you to record it, the person who wrote it. So here is your audio clue. See if you can tell me the name of the band. It's time I start Can you identify the band? Kiss. It is Kiss. It was originally written for somebody else. Paul Stanley wrote it for somebody else. Can you tell me the name of the rock, the rocker he wrote that song for? I cannot. Rod Stewart is who he wrote it for. And if you listen oh. to the way it's actually performed, it kind of sounds a little bit like Mod Rod right uh, there. Yeah, it does. That's hard luck, woman. The year is 1977. Band releases a certain album. That, well, it does have a title track. It doesn't do that well. It does break the top 40. It reaches number 33 on the Billboard Hot 100. Tell me the name of the band. Kimmy, here's your audio clue. She's an Can you tell me who had the album Girls School out and then had the title track released? Can you tell me the name of the band? Sounds like Paul McCartney and Wings. That's right. Paul McCartney, Wings, 1977. I take it you don't have that on vinyl in your collection. I don't believe so. The year is 1984. This actor, at the age of 13, underwent his second kidney transplant in L.A. He had his first transplant at the age of five. Tell me who he is. What you talking about, Willis? What you talking about, Kimberly? What you talking about, Dad? What you talking about, Willis? Kimmy. 
Who is that? That is... Arnold. Tell me the name of the actor, Kimmy. He played Arnold. That's correct. He played Arnold on what TV show? Different Stroke. Now the world don't move to the beat of just one drum. What might be right for you may not be right for some. A man is born, he's a man of means. Then along come two. They got nothing but the genes, but they got different strokes it takes. Different strokes it takes. That's right. Give me you got the TV show right. Can you now tell me the name of the actor? Gary Coleman. That's right, Kimmy. Now the question for you. When he had this second kidney transplant in 1984, was that TV show still airing? No. It was. Ooh. The show aired on NBC from November 3rd, 1978 to May 4th, 1985. And then it flipped networks, went to ABC September of 1985 to March of 86. So, yes, hmm. that did happen. All right. Surprised you had a little difficulty remembering him, Kimmy. You met him. I know. Kimmy met him in Orlando many yeah. years ago in a pig barn at a fairgrounds, the Orange County Fairgrounds. He was one of the many guests that were brought into a, I'm not making this up, an actual metal building. With a pig, with a... um. Swine. Didn't it say swine building? Yeah, and with a barker with a megaphone out front. Yes, yelling... For your opportunity to meet Arnold from different strokes. Yelling in English and Spanish, I believe. Yes, he was, and not many were following him. Right. Yes. Peter Mayhew was there. It was really cool. Right. Also, Eric Eric Estrada. Yes. And And, uh, Henry Winkler. Yeah. And the one I wanted to meet was was Gary Coleman. And uh, I did meet him, and um, I told him he was part of my childhood, and he really didn't seem to give up. You should have told him you love trains, Gimme. That's what (sighs) he was really into at the time. Yeah, okay, and we we do have some recordings of of what happened, um, well, sort of behind the scenes at that event. We will not release ever. We'll never post those. We'll never share those unless you mention it to us. I might have it sometime with me, and I'll play it for you. But the best best person that won me over was Eric Estrada. Oh, he was so cool, wasn't he? I never watched Chips. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Didn't like Eric Estrada, Paunch, you know, didn't like like him particularly. but. Watching him interact and seeing his personality, you know, seeing how his personality was, I, I'm i like, I want to meet him. So yeah. we did, and yeah. he was really super nice. Oh, I want see, he's who I wanted to meet because, you know, I've been a fan of his since all the way back to Shack, you know, the Night Stalker. Mm. You it, told him about that. Yeah, we actually talked about that. He laughed. It was pretty cool. It was on this date, Kimmy, in 1997, this band's single is released. Tell me the name of the band. Uh, 
Memory Remains. It's actually a really cool song about uh, fallen fame, faded fame. Can you tell me the name of the band, Kimmy? Metallica? That is Metallica. Yeah, you, I, I knew you were a Metallica fan. Mm. I knew it. Yeah, that reached number 28 on the Billboard Hot 100, number three on the mainstream rock track charts, 1997. The year is 2008. This person releases her second studio album, Kimmy. It would become the Billboard Album of the Year in 2009, the Grammy Album of the Year in 2010, and win the American Music Awards in 2009. Tell me the name of the recording artist. Here is a single from that album. Kimmy, who is that? Taylor Swift. Yes, with You Belong, with me, the third single from the album, Fearless, that was released on this date in history. By the way, that single became number two on the Billboard Hot 100, number one on the adult contemporary Billboard charts, and number one on the hot country songs of Billboard. The year is 2013. The movie The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, premieres in London. Tell me the name of the female... Star Jennifer Lawrence. You got it right, Kimmy. <music> Celebrity and notable birthdays, Kimmy. This person born 1885, died from an auto accident in 1945, really close to Christmas time in 1945. Several actors have portrayed him on screen, but the most famous is from 1970. Tell me the name of this person who was born on this date in history. Here is George C. Scott as this famous person. All this stuff you've heard about America not wanting to fight, wanting to stay out of the war, is a lot of horse dung. Americans traditionally love to fight. All real Americans love the sting of battle. When you were kids, you all admired the champion marble shooter, the fastest runner, big league ball players, the toughest boxers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Americans play to win all the time. I wouldn't give a hoot in hell for a man who lost and laughed. Kimmy, can you tell me who the famous person is George C. Scott portrayed on film in 1970? Patton. That's right. George Patton was born on this date, 1885, and back a few years ago. Remember, G.I. Joe released a uh, collector's edition of George Patton. And mm. I, I wish I had that still in my collection. It kind of disappeared. And it's mm. one of my, I kind of went back. It had it had his bull terrier in there, Willie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. It was really cool. Kinda, I like to find that one, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm not bashing anybody who does buy off eBay. I, I tend to try to buy from actual shows or stores and stuff because I like to smell. Sounds weird. I like to smell the collectible. Make sure it doesn't smell like mildew, mold, or smoke. Mm-hmm. And you can don't know that sometimes when you're, you know, you just don't know online, right? Yep. Moving to the next person born on this date, 1899. You will not know him, Kimmy, if I said or played a clue or something, which I think is quite sad because he was a very talented actor. He was in more than 100 films. He was a Newt Rockney All-American in 1940, Angels with Dirty Faces in 1938, and Some Like It Hot in 1959, just to name a few. It's Pat O'Brien. 
did a lot of things with James Cagney. Matter of fact, they were best friends and did film work together. Did TV, too. He was in Hazel in 1966, an episode of McCloud in 1973, Happy Days in 1982, and he appeared on WKRP in Cincinnati in an episode in 1981 called The Will. Good afternoon, everyone. Cedric, Clark, Cesar, Oh, <laughs> All the greedy relatives here. Oh, that's good. Oh, I, I like this little scene. By the way, I, I've got me some executrix, huh? That's Jennifer. Say hello, Jennifer. Hello. She's sweet, isn't she? You're damn right she is. <laughs> One woman I can count on. How you holding up, honey? Fine. Good. I knew you'd come through for me. Now, oh, now, wait. Wait. Before I start, I'd like to say something. Do you remember those times I used to fall asleep? Well, I wasn't asleep. I heard every damn thing that each one of you said about me. <laughs> he was on videotape, and she was sitting with a bunch of greedy relatives, uh, part of the, the Wills. Fantastic classic episode, WKRP in Cincinnati. Next individual, born on this date, 1925, comedian, actor, died 2013 at the age of 87. In the fourth and final season of a certain TV show, he was brought in. Kimmy, identify the TV show. <laughs> Tell me the name of that TV show, Kimmy. Mork and Mindy. That's right. He was brought in to play Mork and Mindy's child. Can you tell me the name of the actor and the name of the character that he played on Mork and Mindy? Jonathan Winters. Yes, that's correct. Jonathan Winters. And what was the name of the character? I can't tell you that. It was Mirth. That's uh, a, yeah, I remember Mirth. Yeah, okay. And he was born old and you know, would age backwards. That's the way the... Mork- like Benjamin Button? Uh, very, very... Oh. Yes, yes. The Morkins, that's what they did. They would be born... So they uh, stole it from... I don't Mork know that. I don't know the history of the Benjamin oh. Button thing. Kimmy, you're, you're causing controversy. Down, down. Stop. Stop that. That's not what we're all about. Kimmy, moving back to trivia. This person born on this date. He is 64 years old. He had a top 40 hit... Back in 1981, identify who it is. I can't stand to see you sad. I can't bear to hear you cry. You can't tell me what you need. All I can do is wonder why. Someday, someway, uh-huh. Someday, someway, yeah, now. Someday, someway, maybe I'll understand you. Can you tell me who that is, who the birthday person is, Kimmy? No. Had the hit Someday, Someway, 1981, peaked at number 36 on the Billboard Hot 100. It's Marshall Crenshaw celebrating the 64th birthday today. Next person, an actress, Kimmy. Matter of fact, at one time in 1996, she became the highest paid actress in film history. She was paid a then unprecedented fee of $12.5 million to star in a film that was a bomb, followed by another one that didn't do that well. She got... Notoriety about 10 plus years before this, though, 1982 to 1983 on a soap opera. Tell me the soap opera. 
Can you identify that soap opera, Kimmy? General Hospital. Now, with what clues I've given you, can you tell me who this actress is? Demi Moore. That's correct. Demi Moore on General Hospital, 1982 to 1983. What character did she play? Uh-huh. You ready for this? Oh, this ought to be good. Mm-hmm. This ought to be good. Jackie Templeton. Oh, you freak. <laughs> you are you are a freak show. You Matter of fact, you're a whole freak tent. How could you do that? <laughs> yes, you're right. Jackie Templeton. Now, the movie that she was given $12.5 million to star in did not do that well. Can you tell me the name of the movie just for the fun of it? What movie kind of tank? They gave her a ton of coin, ton of coin and it just didn't do that well. Disclosure? No, it was striptease. 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 It just didn't do that well. In 1987, she married her second husband, an actor, Kimmy. Who was it? Ashton Kutcher. 1987? Oh, yeah. Oh, she was married before Bruce Willis? Yes. Oh. But the actress she married in 1987 was whom? Bruce Willis. That's correct. In 2005, she married who? Ashton Kutcher. There we go. That's right. I didn't know she was married before Bruce. She was married in in her teen years to somebody who was a lot older than her. Oh. Yes. Okay. That's a little uh, Demi history there. A little more than I thought we were going to talk about. Next person having a birthday today. He is 53. He's an actor. He's known for playing the role of the son of the title character on this show from 1976 to 1985. Identify the TV series. Used to be shy. Funniest thing, the saddest part is I never knew why. Ooh, keeping myself on nothing was my favorite sport. I had to take off and start enjoying, cause life's too short. Can you tell me the name of that TV show from 1976 to 1985 this person starred on? Alice? That's right. He played the son, Tommy. Tommy Hyatt. Can you tell me the name of the character? Well, actually, the actor. Can you tell me the name of the actor? Alice's son. No. His younger sister starred on a certain TV series, Kimmy, on NBC. Tell me the name of the TV show. Delivery Boy. Give me a break. Is this where I'm supposed to check in? Hi, I'm Mrs. Garrett, the school dietitian. You must be Joe, the new student. Right, how'd you know? Easy. I've never seen a motorcycle parked in my flower bed before. I thought they were weeds. That's his sister, Kimmy. Can you tell me the name of the TV show she starred on? Facts of Life. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. The facts of life, there's a time you gotta go and show you grow, and now you know about the facts of life, the facts of life, when the world never seems to be living up to your dreams, and suddenly you're finding out the facts of life are all about you, you, 
Yes, the birthday person's sister starred on Facts of Life, and she played Joe. You remember Joe? That's uh, Nancy McKeon who uh, played the role. Remember, mm. You remember her, right? Right. Nemesis of Blair. And her brother, who's having the birthday, is Philip McKeon. He's having his 53rd birthday today. Okay. Next person, an actress celebrating a birthday today, Kimmy. Best known for starring as the title character on a TV series called Allie McBeal from 1997 to 2002. She played Kitty Walker in the series Brothers and Sisters from 2006 to 2011. And she currently plays on Supergirl since 2015 as Cat Grant. Tell me the name of the actress. I have a bonus clue if you need it. Why? Have a building to leap in a single bound? Kira. There are many topics that I find appropriate for humor. English cuisine, black lipstick, but I will never make a joke about a good story. One time at a party, Paul McCartney swore to me that he and Yoko were the closest of friends. He was more convincing. Fine. We'll just keep playing this silly charade. You may go, Kira. I'm sure there's a phone in need of answering or a plane in need of catching. Can you tell me the name of that actress, Kimmy? Having a birthday. Mrs. Ford? That was going to be your clue. She's married to <laughs> Harrison Ford. Been married since 2010 to Harrison Ford. Who is she, Kimmy? Yeah, doesn't she have like a weird name, like Felicity or something like that? It's Callista Flockhart, that's it. Yeah, that's right, Kimmy. Callista Flockhart having a birthday today. She is uh, how old? 65. She is 53 today, Kimmy. Oops. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's okay. Moving back to trivia and birthdays. This actor having a birthday, tell me how old he is. You have, a, well, a plus or minus of two years once you identify him. He has been in many films. One of them, a 2004 film called The Aviator. Jack, we want to fly above the weather. Only 1% of the American population has ever set foot on a commercial airliner. Why? Because they're scared to death, Jack, and they should be. I mean, 7,000 feet is bumpy as You know that. We build a plane that flies above the weather. We could get every man, woman, and child in this country to feel safe up there. An airplane with the ability to fly into the substratosphere, across the country, across the world. Now that is a future. He played Howard Hughes. Who is it, Kimmy? Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. How old is he today, within two years? 48. He is 43. What 1997 film did he star in? I'm the king of the world! Titanic. That's right. Did a fantastic job there, Kimmy. I, I don't know how you got that clue. Good thing he gave me that clue. I see dead people. Celebrity and notable deaths. This person passed away 2016 at the age of 83. An American actor best known for a role on a certain TV show in the 1960s. See if you can identify the TV show he starred in, Kimmy. Here is your clue. Thank you. 
Can you identify that TV series he was part of? Mm, no. Here is another clue where he's, well, he's in character. And actually, you can kind of figure out the TV show with what he says. My name is Napoleon Soto. I'm an enforcement agent in Section 2 here. That's operations and enforcement. Do you know the show? Uh, no. Do you know the actor? Uh, no. Played in many things. Kimmy, matter of fact, appeared on Columbo in Troubled Waters in 1975. Played the murderer. Played a murderer in Last Salute to the Commodore in 1976 on Columbo. Nope. He was in the movie Superman 3 in 1983. He was the villain. Acted opposite Richard Pryor and Christopher Reeve in that film. Here he talks about the film and being a villain instead of a hero. I love very much. I love it, yeah. Particularly this kind of villain. I mean, anybody that tries to kill Superman. Uh, it's easier for some reason. I think you, you have to dredge up certain things for playing a hero that you think may or may not be attractive about yourself. And I don't think we have such great insight into ourselves that we can always be that attractive on the screen playing a hero. But playing a villain, it's pretty much a direct line thing where you, you just you, you summon up uh, badness, which is easy, <laughs> easier than summon, summoning goodness for myself anyway. Richard is, is one of the most wonderful people I've ever met, not only just a, a person to like, but I've got to rank him along with Jason Robards for being uh, an actor uh, that never misses. In every scene, and every take, and uh, every situation that you're in with him, he does something different, but it's always right. And that's the one thing that Jason is able to do, that no matter how many times he does a thing, it's always different, and somehow it's always right. Can you tell me who that is, Kimmy? Robert Vaughn? Kimmy, you got it right, Robert Vaughn. I had an extra clue. I was going to say uh, you had lunch with him as a child. No, I watched him eat a hot dog at Disneyland. Okay. Well, he passed away 2016. He was also part of a TV series right at its final stages. Season 5 of this TV show. Tell me the TV show. Kimmy has to know the name of this TV show. 18? What? Yeah, Kimmy, that's right. He was, uh, during the final time of uh, A-Team, he came in season five, played a batty, sort of good guy, a government person, uh, kind of nasty, and yeah, he uh, took control of the A-Team. Robert Vaughn, who passed away on this date in history. Kimmy, I think you did a fantastic job on this Saturday. I know you're thinking about the upcoming event that the Riley and Kimmy Show will be at. We'll be announcing that on our Facebook page, so be sure to follow us there. you find links right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com for all our social media. What we're going to do today is honor something we talked about, well, with the golden age of radio, something we talked about on Trivia. Radio We talked about an actor born on this date, and that is Pat O'Brien, born on this date in 1899. Kimmy's probably completely clueless to his his rich history of work, right? Right. Well, we have a chance for you to become acquainted with him. He was no stranger to the golden age of radio. We have two fantastic, thrilling, mystery, suspenseful episodes from the golden age of radio that he was part of. The first one is called Dead Earnest. It's from 1949. The plot, Ernest Bowers is badly injured in a car accident, but there is a problem. Ernest is a cataleptic. Do you know what that is, Kimmy? Mm, no. 
Catalepsy is a disease of the nerves and mind. The physical condition when a cataleptic has a spell closely resembles death and includes the primary stages of rigor mortis, but they are not dead. They are alive. Ernest carries a special medallion informing whoever reads it that he is a cataleptic, and although in the event of an accident he may appear dead, he isn't and must not be embalmed. He also carries a letter giving instructions as to what must happen. Unfortunately, somebody steals the jacket containing the letter, and they steal the medallion as he lies on the ground injured. Will Ernest wake up in time, or will he be embalmed alive that's this golden age of radio suspenseful thriller episode followed by true report from 1950 the plot of that one a cop investigating a hit and run murder traces the owner of the car to his own son both of these are fantastic and totally different especially the first one is something that radio is a master in it is definitely a fantastic example of the theater of the mind Kicking off our tribute to Pat O'Brien, here is Dead Ernest from 1949 on the Riley and Kimmy Show. And now, Autolite presents Pat O'Brien in a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Accident report to Police Inspector Blandon from Lieutenant S. Healy. Place... 15th Street and 4th Avenue. Time, 2.45 p.m., March 11th. Remarks. Ernest Powers, age 34, was crossing the intersection as the signal light changed from green to red. A car, driven by Theodore Toby, made a legal right turn from 15th Street into 4th Avenue. Hey! He hit him! That wasn't much. Wow, look, look at those tile marks. Hey, the guy's out cold. He's bleeding. All right, stand back now. Let's have a look. Is he hurt bad? I didn't see him. Honest, I didn't. I had the right away. Yeah, he's passed out. Uh, one of you people call for an ambulance. Yeah, yeah, you there. Uh, okay, move back, move back. Oh, look, look, he's bleeding. He's bleeding. Here, I'll prop up his head. Yeah, here, use his jacket. Here, I'll, I'll hold him. Golly, he's limp. He feels just like he's dead. Yes, Ernest Bowers felt like he was dead. Ernest Bowers suffered from catalepsy, a strange disease. He carried at all times a note in his inside jacket pocket stating that he was a cataleptic and that in the event of seeming death, his wife should immediately be notified or his doctor in the event his wife is unavailable. The letter also requested that no autopsy or embalming should be performed on his body for 72 hours, although in his particular case, the duration of the attacks were usually four hours or less. Ernest Bowers also wore a sterling silver bracelet with an inscription reading, Do not embalm me. I am not dead. Catalepsy is a disease of the nerves and mind. The physical conditions of the cataleptic when he is under a spell closely resemble death in all aspects, including the primary stages of rigor mortis. Officer Abbott was on the scene of the accident. He administered aid to the injured man before making out his report. Uh, 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 that ought to stop the bleeding. Looks like just a cut on his forehead when he hit the ground. Nothing much. Now, uh, 
What's your name? Uh, Toby. Theodore Toby. Here. Here's my license. Hey, hey, hey! Hey, you kids! What did those kids do? They picked up something off the street. Huh? Oh, oh, here it comes. I, I hope he's all right. I, oh, it, it doesn't look like he's breathing. You know, by gosh, he ain't. I told you to get back. Come on now, he's back, all of you. What's the matter with you, people? Haven't you ever seen him? Now, come on, get it. Oh, I'm glad you're here, Doc. He's out cold. Okay. Huh? I'll say he's out cold. Let's get him away. He's dead. Well, anyhow, it didn't happen in our wagon. Okay, we'll take him away. Uh, uh, keep him back, will you, officer? Yeah, keep yeah. back. Clear out. Come on, the show's over. That's the third one today. Yeah, there. Hey, uh, Well, let's go. Whose coat was that he was laying on? Huh? I don't know. Did you pick it up? No. Hey, uh, officer. Yeah? Where's the coat? Huh? Oh, well, oh, Gosh, it, it's gone. Okay, never mind. All right, let's go, Payne. Ernest Bowers had lost the identification of his condition. The letter was in the inside pocket of his jacket. The silver chain he wore on his left wrist had snapped and fallen to the pavement. Two youngsters picked up the chain. Robert Minnelli, age nine and one half. Tommy Stoner, eight. Let's go around the back to your father's shop, Bob. Boy, it sure is a nice chain. Hey, there's writing on it. Maybe it's a guy's name. Is he hurt bad? Nah, just a little bump. What's it say? Just a second, we'll be out of the alley. Yeah, Pop's gone home to eat. What's it say? Wait a second, will ya? It says, do not embalm, do not something me. I am not dead. It's screwy. What do we do with it? Sell it, dopey. We can buy some baseballs and stuff. Yeah, but when we try to sell it, they'll ask us where we got it. What do we tell them? Nothing. Use your head. You know what we'll do? What? We'll use Pop's woven torch. Well, melt it down. Well, he told us not to use it. Pop ain't here, is he? Mm, no. Well, come on. There it is. Yeah, here. Put it on that brick. Okay? Yeah. But be careful. Hey, what are you kids doing? Uh, oh, uh, hello, Pop. Nothing, Mr. Minnelli. We ain't doing nothing. Uh, nothing, huh? I thought I told you kids not to go near that torch. Well, uh, we want to melt this down. Yeah, give me that. Ah, what's this all about? We found this chain, Papa, and we want to melt it down and sell it. Whose is it? Well, we don't know. Do we, Tommy? No, no, we don't. There's nothing wrong, Pop. We just found it. See, it's ours. Do not um, embalm me. I am not dead. What's that? It's screwy. Where did you find it? In the street. Honest, Papa. Ask Tommy. All right, go on. Get out of here. How about melting it down, Pop? We can sell it and buy some baseballs. Uh, all right, keep back. They melted it and took it to a gold and silver dealer. They sold the melted chain for thirty. $1.30. $1.30. But the coat, the coat was the principal thing. In the coat, in the inside pocket, was the letter. The information about Ernest Bauer's condition was in that letter. The instructions that could save his life. The coat was picked up from the street by Honest Jerry Murdoch. There's a big sign near the corner of 15th Street. It says, Honest Jerry Murdoch Swap Shop. He brought the coat into his store, rummaged around in his shelves until he found some cleaning fluid and then started to clean the blood stain. Looking for a sport jacket. Just a moment. 
Okay. Conservative. Oh, will you come over here, please? Yeah, something on that order. Pick out what you want. Uh, how much you want to spend? About five bucks. These cost more. How much? From eight to twelve. They don't look so hot for eight bucks. From eight to twelve. Say, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm just putting a new one in stock over here by the counter. Yeah, that looks all right. What size is it? I don't know. Here, try it on. Okay. Hmm. Uh. Yeah. Feels all right. Kind of stiff in front here, though. Ah, it's because it's almost snow. You'll break it in. Feels like cardboard or something. You want it? Five dollars. Okay. Uh, there might still be a couple of stains on it. I ain't had time to take out. Uh, use some cleaner on it or bring it to the tailors. It'll be better than new. Yeah. Here's a five. Ernest Bowers was brought to the receiving room of the Vetter General Hospital, and various routine tests were made. The time, 4.10. If Bowers were going to awaken, it would probably be 6.45. Dr. Weldon made out his report. He wrote it down while he was standing near the telephone switchboard. Yes? This is the Vetter General Hospital. Is there anybody by the name of Bowers at home? Bowers? B-O-W-E-R-S. No, nobody home. Is Mr. Bowers married? I hope so. If he ain't, he's been living in sin. Well, where can I reach her? There's been an accident. I don't know. She's out. Will you tell her to call the Better General Hospital? Yeah. What happened? Mr. Bowers is dead. Can't reach her, huh? No. no I'd like to do an autopsy. Yeah. Well, what'll I tell the wife when she calls? Oh, if it's pretty soon, I'll talk to her. We've still got those tests to go through. Then I'm off. If it's more than an hour, he'll probably be on the way to the morgue. At that moment, it was then 4.22 in the afternoon. At that moment, if anyone had been in receiving room B of Vetter General Hospital, where the body of Ernest Bowers lay on the patient carriage... They would have seen a fly crawl slowly across the face of the dead man. And they would have seen his nose twitch. For suspense, Autolite is bringing you Pat O'Brien in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Pat O'Brien as Lieutenant Healy in Dead Earnest, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Accident report continued. Henry Prince had within his power the opportunity to save the life of Ernest Bowers. He had purchased the coat in which was a letter that could save him. When he left the second-hand store, he stopped to have a chat with some friends made some purchases at the grocery store and started home. The time, a few minutes after five. He lived about two blocks from the scene of the accident. His wife was waiting for him. Well, how do you like it for five bucks? Yeah, yeah, it looks all right. Oh, what's that, a spot? Where? Yeah, take it off a second. I wonder what it is. Oh, I said there was a couple of spots. Cleaner will take them out. You know, looks like... Hey, what's this in the pocket? I don't know. To whom it may concern, please open and read. Yeah, that's what must have felt stiff. This note is carried on my person wherever I go. 
It is to advise responsible parties that I am a cataleptic, that if it appears as though I am dead, I am not. What's that? And that my body is not to be molested for a period of 72 hours, neither by autopsy nor by embalming, although the maximum periods of my attacks usually do not exceed four hours. Hmm. Please telephone my wife. Mrs. Margaret Bowers at Fulton 7, 7837. This is a boarding house. Address 841 West 25th Street. If she's not there, please try Axminster 43422. This is the number of Dr. Benton. It's of vital importance. It may mean my life. Thank you, Ernest Bowers. It's a funny one. Where'd you get the coat, Henry? Honest, Jerry Murdoch's. wonder what we can do. Nothing. It's probably been forgotten already. Somebody sold him the coat and forgot to take the letter out. Well, it doesn't sound like something a guy'd forget. Ah, devil with it. Might be important. Hey, look at that, Henry. Those spots, they look like blood. Yeah, too dark. Yeah, that's the color blood turns. I'm going to telephone that number. Go ahead. I think you're wasting your time. Seven, eight. Hello? I'd like to talk to Mrs. Uh, Bowers. She ain't in. Well, how do you know? You didn't even call... I know. She went out. And you ain't the first to call her. Who else wanted to get in touch with her? Oh, somebody. I don't know who. Oh. Well, thank you. Yeah, you see? You're wasting your time. Oh, I have the strangest feeling, Henry. Gee, it must be a terrible position to be in to have everybody think you're dead when you ain't. You're helpless about it. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. I can see I'm not going to win this time either. I'm busy. How about some dinner? Oh, it's cooking. I just can't get out of my head. That guy, whoever he is, lying there and people thinking him dead when he ain't, maybe doing things to him. What's embalming? They do that at the morgue. It's preparing his body for burial. I think they take all the blood out of his veins. Well, that would kill him if he wasn't already dead. Couldn't kill him no deader. Henry, I'm going to find out about that coat. Where's this place you bought it? Now, wait a minute, Francis. I put in a good day's work. I'm tired. I don't want to run around the city looking for something I don't even know about. Well, then I'll go myself. Well, how about me at home here while you go out? I want to eat. I'm hungry. Look, dinner won't be ready for another 15 minutes anyway. Now, look, where's the place? Oh, all right. I'll go with you. Well, he ain't here. He locked up. What's the sign say? Ten minutes? Yeah, but those guys put up signs like that if they're going away for an hour. Well, we'll wait a few oh, minutes. Oh, come on, Francis. Look, you wait here. I'm going in the cigar store to telephone. Once you make up your mind to something, nothing can change it. Unless it's an invitation to a poker game. <laughs> very, very funny. Look, you wait here. Is Mrs. Bowers in? No. Mr. Bowers? No. He's dead. He is? That's what they tell me. Well, wait a minute. Oh, darn. Seven, seven, eight. Hello? Look, I just spoke to you. Will you please... You're bothering me, lady. I got a meal set up on the table. I can't be answering a million questions. But all I want to know is when Mr. Bowers died. How do I know? Ask Mrs. Bowers. She'll be home soon. Thanks. Three, four, three, four. Oh, 
darn. Why is that doctor's line busy? Well? No luck. Same as before. Mr. Bowers is dead. I found that out. See, I told you. What about the letter, then? What if he ain't dead? What if they only think he's dead? Well, what do you want to do, wait here all night? No, but we ought to wait a little while. Maybe we can find out where he lives. You going traipsing around the whole city? I have to. Well, without me, then. Well, do as you please. I'll be home. I'm hungry. If you think more of a crazy letter than you do of feeding your husband, and that's all. What do you mean, that's all? Just what I said, that's all. You know, the trouble with you is you don't have no imagination. No, I'm just a home-loving guy, that's all. I don't go sticking my nose where it don't belong. Well, Go on home, then. I'll find out about myself. Yeah, women. A different turn of speech. Another question. If the boarding house woman were more cooperative, if she knew the facts of the case, or took an interest in the death of Ernest Bowers, if, if, if. At the hospital, meanwhile, events were pursuing their normal course. Couldn't reach anybody, huh? No, doctor. I tried just a few minutes ago. That boarding house woman snapped my head off. Well, we're finished with the test. Sure wish we could do that autopsy. Maybe later after he's gone to the morgue. Want me to try again? Hmm? Uh, no. Uh, get me the orderly room. Okay. Use that one there. Oh, Payne? Yeah? It's Dr. Weldon. There's a delivery for you to go to the morgue. Now? Yeah. I ain't have nothing to eat since I Yeah, since lunch. Go on now, Payne. It's down in the receiving room. The papers are down there, too. Oh, why can't it wait a few minutes? It's got to go now. They want to start embalming so they can go home. Well, how about sending one of the other boys? Oh, I don't care, just as long as he gets there. Okay. Want me to keep trying to reach his home? No, the rush is off. Anytime now. He's going to the morgue. Tell you what, you can wait till his wife calls here. She should be home pretty soon, I guess. I'll be here all evening. I want to talk to her. All right, Doctor. Oh, uh... Don't get your wires crossed. Oh, dear. Oh, Mr. Murdoch. Yeah? Oh, oh, I'm glad you came back. Come in. What can I do for you? You sold my husband a jacket, a sport jacket this afternoon. Did I? What kind? Yeah, a light blue one. It had a few stains on it. Sorry, can't take back anything once it's sold. Oh, no, sold. no, no. I don't want to give it back. Where'd you get it, Mr. Murdoch? I don't even know which one you're talking about. Look, I said it must have been a few hours ago. Blue with thin red boxes. Oh, that one. What about it? Where'd you get it? What do you want to know for? Because there was a letter in it. An important letter. I don't know. How can I remember where I got it? Long ago. Was it long ago? I don't see where it's any of your business where oh, I got it. It may be important. I've been trying to reach the numbers. The doctor's number's always busy. And his wife, she isn't even home I yet. don't know what you're talking about. Now, please, I'm busy. I got lots to do But here. you gotta tell me. Just look. Look, tell me one thing. Did you have the jacket in there a long time? Well, uh, Look, please, it's very important. Well, no. No, I just got it in this afternoon. Oh. Where'd you get it? You said one question. You asked it, and I answered it. That's all. There was blood on it. That I can't help. Now, if you'll excuse no, me. No, now, look, you must tell me. I don't have to tell nobody nothing. Look, I may be all wrong. I I'm probably just crazy about this. Look, but if that man's alive and they'd do anything to him, I'll never get over it. Well, you know, I'll never be able to live with myself. Crazy, again. you said. It all sounds crazy to me. Listen, there was a letter in the inside pocket of that jacket. It said that Ernest Bowers was a cataleptic. What's that? He goes in a fit? Oh, no, no, no. Cataleptic. You know, is somebody who looks like he's dead at times, and he isn't. He goes into a spell and mm. looks as though he's dead. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, they take dead bodies to the morgue and they, they embalm them. And that means they take all the blood out of their veins. Mm. Now, this fellow Bowers, he's a cataleptic. I don't know whether he's dead or alive or even if he's worrying about this letter, but I, I just got to find out. Well, I... There was... Uh, what? Uh, an accident before. Where? 
was in it? I don't know. Believe me, lady, I didn't know anything about all this. You, you think that this guy who was taken away in an ambulance could be one of them uh, cataleptics? That coat, was it his? Yeah, lady, yeah, but it was left there in the street. They drove away and left Who? it. Who? The ambulance. What ambulance? I don't know. It was on the corner. The cop was there. He told somebody to call an ambulance. It came and took away the man. A cop? I saw a cop outside while I was waiting for you. Is that the same cop? Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, lady, you got to protect me. I ain't done anything wrong. I, I didn't know anything like this would happen. I, I would never take it a coat if I thought... Uh, officer! Ernest Bowers lay on a slab in the morgue. If he were alive, probabilities were that he would regain consciousness before 6.45. And the two embalmers on duty at the time had decided to get a bite to eat. When the phone rang, Anthony answered. Well, we're going out to eat. Yeah, I know another one just came in. We got it here. Yeah, well, what's the rush? No, no, we just want to get a cup of coffee and then we'll get on it. Look, is it our fault if it comes in just when we want to have a... Right? We can go home after? Well, that puts a different complexion on it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, what time is it, Al? 6.30. Uh, Doc says if we embalm this one now, we can go home. Well, let's start in, then. I'm hungry. Okay. I'll start the motor. Young guy, ain't he? Yeah. I was speaking to the wife about that yesterday. Uh, get the injector out, Tony. Yeah. And she was saying more and more people die, older and older. Here. Yeah, it looks like we can open through the neck. Yeah. yeah. Give me a piece of that goods. Yeah, right. yeah. I says to her, she should be around this place a while. We get them all ages. You want me to do it? No, no, no. You get the injector ready. Yeah. Hey, look at him. Yeah. You never think that such a little thing like his heart stops beating could make him dead and not alive. Yeah. Hold it steady, will you? Yeah. Ready? For just a second. Okay. All right. Here we go. Uh-oh. What's the matter? My glasses. They're clouding up. Well, take them off. No, no, no. I, I just clean them. What'd the wife say to that? Huh? Oh, oh uh, about all ages? Yeah. She didn't have nothing to say. Only that most of the guys we deal with probably come to a violent end. Yeah, well, there's something in there. Okay. Got them clean. All right. Here we go. What's the matter? Uh, they're steamed up again. Every time I bend over near... I wonder... What? <laughs> it must be my imagination. What? Uh, I could have sworn this guy was breathing on my glasses. Well, is he? How could he? Well, come on, and let's go. It's a quarter to seven already. Yeah, yeah. All that. Yeah, I'll get the phone. Well, let's get this started first. Okay. We'll just... Al. What? I... I... What? What's the matter with you? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought I saw the guy's hand twitch. Oh, don't be stupid. Well, uh, get me a scare. Well, let's wait a second. I'll get the phone. There'll probably be another job, and we'll never get out of here. Let it ring. Yeah, but the doc said we could go home after if we... All right. All right, come on, come on. Let's get this thing over with. Al, okay. Yeah. Give me the knife again. I'll... 
Tony. Yeah? Look. Look here. I'm bent over like this. I ain't gonna move. My glasses are full of steam again. Holy. Is he? Is he alive? shaking all over. Look at him, Al. Look at his lips. Listen. I... Shut off that motor! Apparently, the life of Ernest Bowers was worth $1.30 for a silver bracelet to the boys who ran away with it, and $5 for a blood-stained jacket to honest Jerry Murdoch. Their petty thefts brought a man to the brink of death. Oh, there's just one more episode, which perhaps doesn't belong in an accident report, but which I'd like to include. After regaining full consciousness, Ernest Bowers put in a telephone call from the morgue. Hello, Mrs. Brawley. Is Mrs. Bowers in? I don't know. I'll see. Josie, see if Mrs. Bowers is home. Who is it? Well, this is Mr. Bowers. Who? Mr. Bowers? Why, they told me you was dead. The hospital called and said... Yeah, I, I know, Mrs. Brawley, but they... They made a mistake. Oh. Well, here she is. Hello, Ernest. Where are you? Well, darling, it's quite a long story. You see the... Never mind. You get right home, here. Dinner's getting ice cold. Thank you, Pat O'Brien, for a great suspense show. Tonight... Autolite brings you True Report, a suspense play starring Pat O'Brien. Go right in, Lieutenant. Captain's waiting for you. Thank you, Bert. Oh, it's you. Hello, Captain. All right, Ben, have you got it? Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Good. Everything here? Everything. Uh, sorry it had to be this way, Ben. Yeah. So am I. Well, it couldn't have come out any other way, so take it. This is what you wanted. This is my true report. In just a moment, Mr. Pat O'Brien in the first act of True Report. And now with True Report and the performance of Pat O'Brien, Autolite hopes once again to keep you in suspense. August 31, to Captain Walter Jostey, Commander, Accident Investigation Division, City Police Department. From Lieutenant Ben J. Kennedy, didn't run detail. Three, Lawrence Danker, deceased. 
Catch, find, supplementary, traffic accident report, completed this date, disregard, other file concerning same, now in your possession. Two days ago, 9 a.m., I went to your office for the day's assignment. I didn't know what it was going to be, neither did you. Hello, oh, fella. How are you? Oh, Ben, who do you make for the World Series? Oh, give me the Phillies and Cleveland. Hello, Al, Sam. Hi, Kennedy. Anything up? Anything up? Anything new? That's a good one. Hi, Ben. How are you feeling? I like asking if anything's up, Gagger. So... Nothing, Ben. All routine. Sometimes I think I never should have been a cop. Yeah. So there's a hit-and-run artist named uh, Edward Franken, right? Yeah. Bulletin board says you pulled him in last night. Good job, Geiger. Took a long time, huh? Too long, Ben. Would you believe I used up 385 probable witnesses to that accident, came out with just two who knew what they were talking about? Listen, I'm going to figure out a system for questioning... Oh, here we go. Lieutenant Skyger Kennedy, I'll stop Newton. Yeah, yeah. right. Captain Jesse's waiting for you. Oh, good morning, men. Sit down, please. Make yourselves comfortable. <clears throat> here, Captain. Uh, no calls for the next half hour, Bert. Right, sir. Well, there they are. Initial traffic accident reports. Twenty-two of them. Twenty-two traffic accidents in our city in the last twelve hours. Three of them fatal. Accidents. Most of them weren't accidents. Most of them could have been avoided if people had just realized that an improperly handled car is as dangerous as a loaded gun. Routine for us, but not routine in the lives of the citizens involved. So let's get busy. Sam? Yes, sir? Nine different people wound up in emergency hospital last night. The police agent says four of them look like they won't make it. Here's the list, Sam. I hate to hand out things like this, but hop over there and see if you can get any statement from them before they... Well, you know. Right, sir. Get right on. Oh, Newt. Late last night, a woman went through a boulevard stop, hit a bus and two parked cars at Harper and Calgary Street. Extensive property damage. She was all right, but her six-year-old daughter was injured critically. The woman failed a sobriety test flat. A child in the car, and she couldn't even walk to the police cruiser without stumbling. Report says under attitude, abusive. Claims she was under drugs. Why do they always pull that tired drug routine? Because people are afraid to face the truth. One thing I know, Fina Barbital doesn't smell like scotch. Look into it, Newton. Don't pull any punches. Don't worry, Captain. And you, Geiger. Yeah? Hit and run on center just off 12th, about 3.30 this morning. Victim unidentified. I think... Hey, wait a minute. You've uh, been up all night working on that Franken thing, haven't oh, you? Oh, all right, Captain. I can take another one. No, no, no. You better knock off and get some sleep. Ben. Yeah, Chief? This will be your baby. Here. Find the Ginza who ran that poor devil down and didn't even stop to see if he was alive or dead. And that's the way I got the assignment. It was just a statement of two patrolmen and a witness to me, nothing else. And I went to work on it. Like any other case, it started with the initial accident report and the statement of a witness. Her name happened to be Thurston. Yeah, I'm Jenny Thurston. Police. They were here once. They're here again. Where's your uniform? How do I know? Traffic investigator, Lieutenant Ben Kennedy. It's me to wear a uniform. Come in. 305 this morning, you reported a hit-and-run accident in front of this address. I live here. I own this place. I've seen it. I've gone over all this stuff with them officers that showed up right after I called in. A man who was run over died in the receiving hospital without regaining consciousness. We're trying to find out who was driving that car. I want you to tell it again. Well? I was sleeping. It got hot, and I woke up. 
I decided to fix myself a glass of tea, so I did. I was sitting there by the window, drinking my tea and cooling off when it happened. What happened? The accident. Car turns off 12th Street. I can see 12th Street from here. Next corner, 12th Street? Yeah. Two doors or four doors on the car? No, I don't know. The officer's report, you saying it was a sedan. Two doors or four doors? I don't know. You're trying to tie me what up? What color was the car? Black. Couldn't have been maroon, blue, green? It was nighttime, no moon. Streetlights go out at midnight. You sure it was black? Well, it looked black. I don't know. It was a dark color, anyhow. It was shiny. Yeah. All right, go on. Well, this car's doing a lot of speeding, heading that way. North. Yeah, north. And it goes right by this window. And I'm looking when it hits the man. I don't know where he came from, but there was a big noise like glass breaking, and this poor man's lying half on the street and half in the gutter, and the car's gone out of sight. You go down and try to help him? No, I call the police. That's your job. Traffic accidents have become everybody's job. Did you get a look at the driver of the car? I got a good look. He's a woman in dark clothes. The officer who interviewed you says you didn't see the driver at all. I know, I... Was going to call up about that. When I concentrated later, I remembered it was a woman. She's a young one. One of those kind all painted up, you know the kind I mean. What she was doing out at three in the morning was no good at all. All you could possibly have seen from this window was the top of the car and not the person driving it. Well, why'd you ask me then? Try to get the license number? It's too dark to see. I did my duty as a citizen. I reported what I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Mrs. Thurston. Jenny Thurston wasn't a very reliable witness, but she was the only one outside of the usual group of dream witnesses who have a lot to say about something they didn't see. She gave me enough to start on. I gave up after I talked to the 30 people or so in the neighborhood and dropped by the morgue to look at the victim. There he is, Lieutenant. What's left of him? Unidentified. Unclaimed. What did the doctor say? Among other things, both legs fractured, as well as the skull, as well as five ribs, as well as the neck, as well as the number of impact. Glass particles and clothing near the hip, both hips broken. Doc figures waist-high contact. High bumpers. That'd make it something before 1939. Of course, trucks have got high bumpers, Lieutenant. Big ones. But no big truck scrambles around an air street like Center. All right, all right. I'm just trying to be useful. Internal. Both lungs collapsed. High rate of speed. Anything else? The glass they took out of them. It's with the technicians now. How about paint? Not on the body. Maybe on the clothes. Technicians have got those, too. Okay. That's about all I need from this witness. You can wheel it to the lineup now. This guy is still a John Doe. We've got his prints on the wire, hoping he'll be recorded somewhere. He's but I... recorded somewhere. Hmm? Right downtown. Change that tag to Lawrence Danker. Lawrence Danker? That's his name. I arrested him in 1936 when I was on robbery detail. Small-time grifter. Jack rolling, bookmaking, breaking and entering. Thirteen previous arrests when I picked him up. You identify I'm him? identifying him. At least I knew my victim, and though my witness hadn't been too good about the details, I knew that the piece of broken glass and the chip of paint found on the victim would tell a better story. The shortest route to hit-and-run killers is through the crime lab. They don't miss a thing. Kennedy. This is a lab, Lieutenant. We got the dope for you. All right, let's have it. Glass splinters came from a headlight lamp used on four different Mexican cars between 37 and 39. I'll send you the list. How about paint? 
There's a bump on a fender and a broken headlight somewhere in town, that's for sure. Maybe a sprung door? Yeah. And it's a jalopy over 12 years old that probably can't travel 20 miles without breaking down. So am I hitting runners in town somewhere trying to get a new headlight and a fender straight. Well, if you say so, Benny, probably is. See ya. Yeah. You can cancel that unit one that went out for a black sedan this morning. Correction goes like this. Dark maroon sedan, year 37, make unknown. Right front headlights hazard. Right front bumper dented. Got it? Got it. I want every garage, auto parts, junk dealer, and repair shop in town contacted on this. Somebody's going to try and take the bumps out of an old car and buy a new headlight, and it shouldn't be hard to spot. Got it. At four o'clock that afternoon, the bulletin was out. We knew what kind of car we were looking for, and I had eight pairs of officers out doing the legwork. With luck, I expected to pick up in a matter of hours. Hi, man. Hello, Geiger. Hi. Had a tough one this time? No, not too tough. Say, I thought you were home sleeping. Oh, you know me. Got nothing else to do but be a cop. Need any help? No, thanks. Just a matter of time. Oh. How are things at home? I'm good. Charlie? It was last year. Oh. He goes into internship next April. Nice kid. You're lucky. Alice, all right? Yeah, she's fine, thanks. When are you coming over for dinner? Soon, I hope, Ben. I, I don't know what's with me. Even when I have time off, now I come sniffing around. Can't seem to stop being a cop. Well, so long, Ben. I'll see you. Okay, guys. August 29, 10.30 a.m. There was a pile of reports ten inches high on my desk from garages, junk dealers, and auto repairmen. And not one report meant a thing. My tip-off finally came from a phone call placed by a man named Loper who runs an auto repair shop on Crestville Street. Now I'm down to see him. I don't know if it's what you're looking for, Lieutenant, but it might be. All right, let's have a look. A guy brought it in yesterday. He said he broke the lamp and dented the fender on his garage. Mm-hmm. It seemed funny he only wanted that right front straightened. The real one's in a lot worse shape. Yes, sir? Yes. No registration tag. Is this the car you're looking for? Uh, maybe. Gonna make a stakeout, huh? Pick him up when he comes back to get it, huh? All right, Mr. Loper. Thanks for you. Gonna look up the serial number, huh? We'll handle it. Thanks. I didn't need to look up the motor serial or the license plate, Captain. I knew who it belonged to, all right. I knew everything about it. From the shimmy in the right front wheel to the windshield wiper that squeaked. I bought it for Charlie his first year in college. It was my own son's car. Autolite is bringing you Pat O'Brien in two reports. Tonight's production in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Friends, tomorrow starts the long Labor Day weekend. I hope that you'll make sure that your car is running right before starting on long trips. That you will have worn-out spark plugs replaced with new ignition-engineered Autolite spark plugs. So drive carefully, won't you, today, tomorrow, and always. Because the life you save may be your own. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood town stage Pat O'Brien in Elliot Lewis's production of True Report, 
A tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense! Routine. You start with things you know for sure, like a traffic accident report and a statement of a witness. Like glass particles from the headlight and the smear of dark maroon paint and you work with the medics and the crime technicians. All routine. And pretty soon, you know what the car looked like and you start looking for it. But what do you do when you're a cop and you find the car and you're supposed to arrest your own son on a manslaughter charge? What do you do? I drove up to the State University that afternoon to have a talk with my suspect. said you were here in the recreation hall. I thought maybe Charlie was with you. Sorry. Rooming with that guy's like rooming with a ghost. I never see him. I, uh... You didn't see his jalopy around anywhere, did you? No, I didn't. Take him out of town or anything? Well, sometimes they go over to the county hospital for surgery classes. Maybe he drove over there. Did I call him there? No, not in class. Oh, well... Never stick around, Mr. Kennedy. You can probably pick him up at the hash house around dinner time. Anything wrong? No. Say, shouldn't you be studying or something instead of playing that thing? I'm majoring in the piano. Piano and law, Sergeant. Lieutenant. Lieutenant. That'd be 5100 per annum, right? Civil service. You to know all about it, Ricks. Maybe you should be a cop. Nope. I'm like Charlie. I want something better. What? No offense, Lieutenant, but... Well, I mean, it's hard going to college. You didn't answer me. All right. He didn't go to college. Charlie's put in six hard years already and still a couple to go. Plenty tough. I live with him. I watch him go through it all. He's building something good here, something important. Kids sometimes get the wrong idea of how important they're going to be. Yeah. They forget about right now. They run around making mistakes and getting themselves into a lot of trouble they can't handle. Yeah. Take all their work and study and throw it right out of the window when they get in that kind of trouble. Yeah. Well, we sort of wrung out the philosophy today, haven't we, Mr. Kennedy? Tell Charlie to call me at home, will you? If I'd waited for him, I don't know what I'd have said or done. If it was, I felt like a rookie with his first cough throwing my top in front of a punk kid. So I just got out of there and drove back to the city. Lieutenant Geiger was sitting at my desk. Oh, Ben. Oh, you want something, Geiger? Been waiting for you. What for? Ever hear of a mechanic named Loper? Well, Ben, don't look like I caught you with a dead body. This loper called here a while ago. I took the call for you. Said you were in to see him at his garage today. Wanted to know if the car he had turned out to be the one you were looking for. No, it wasn't. Oh, not a good way to describe it. Maroon coupe, headlights gone, Ben. Well, it wasn't the one. Don't you think I know what I'm doing on this case? Sure, Ben, you know what you're doing. Can I see the file? I... I haven't made it out yet. You kidding? No. Come on, give me the file. Captain might put me on this with you. I've been with the department 14 years. Don't you think I can handle a simple hit-and-run case at home? Sure, Ben. I know you can handle it alone. I lost one yet. I just want to help you keep that perfect record. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> 
I took the file home with me. I didn't want Geiger to see it until I was good and ready for him to see it. I couldn't believe that my son Charlie, the kid I taught to drive myself, I couldn't believe that he'd ever kill anyone with his car. But there was the evidence in an auto body shop on Crestville Street, and I'd been on too many cases and dragged too many hit-and-run criminals in to start fooling myself now. And trying to tell Alice about it was like trying to tell her that Charlie had suddenly died. I just couldn't do it. It is? Ben, Katie? Oh, yeah, thanks. Miss Jennings came over today. She's in charge of the church bazaar. Told me my quota is six pies. Well, I think I'll make up some of those graham cracker pies. The ones you always start eating before they even cool. Hmm. They're not even listening to me. You can tell when you get that not listening look. Sin. What? Oh, oh, I guess I've still got my mind on some things. You don't look well to me. You don't look at all well. Let me look at your eyes. I can't love you. You've got a nervous twitch at the corner of your mouth. Your arthritis isn't hitting again, is it? I'm all right. You better have a doctor look at you. The next time Charlie comes home, I think he should give you a checkup from toe to tonsil. Don't give me that kind of a look. He's as good as a doctor already, only two years to go. I don't want Charlie checking up on my health. Oh, dear. You are upset. Work. Going badly. Another hit and run? Yeah, it's welcome sooner. I wish you weren't on that detail anymore. I wish I'd never been on it. Yeah. Why, then, dear? If you weren't for men like you, it wouldn't be safe to walk on a city street these days. Every time you arrest a lawbreaker, you protect somebody's life. What do you know about it? Sometimes people just get panicky and forget what they're doing. Then Besides, I... the victim in this case was an old ex-con, a bum. Nobody cared whether he was alive or dead. It doesn't sound like you, Ben. He was a human being. Whoever struck him down should be found and punished to the limit of the law. Alice. Alice, su- suppose I had been driving that car. That's the most foolish thing I ever heard you say. It takes a certain kind of person to do something like that. A thoughtless, selfish person. You're not the kind. Not mine, or Charlie, nor anybody we know. Anyone's capable of doing it. Anyone capable of driving thoughtlessly, passing red lights, speeding just a little, even having an accident. Any of them are bad enough. But to run away with criminals. Forget whoever did it, Ben. I hope you get him quick, too. Because as long as that kind of person is free to drive a car, he's free to kill someone else. I couldn't sleep that night thinking about the case, Chief. Charlie had a full, useful life in front of him. As a doctor, he could save hundreds of lives and pay back the one worthless life he took hundreds of times over. Justification? Maybe. But by midnight, I decided what I had to do. I stayed up all night and worked on my report. And I brought it down to your office the next morning. Is everything bad? Incomplete. No finish, huh? Finish as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Bird, is Geiger out there? Just walked in. Well, I want him right now. Ben, it's uh, sometimes better if you uh, talk it over with a guy. Maybe. Oh, come in, Geiger. 
It's about that hit and run, the Danker case Kennedy's handling. Then you know more than I do. Kennedy's bogged down. I'm not bogged down. This case will never pan out. I only had one witness, and all she could tell me was a, the car hit Danker. All the lab reports were guesses. We had paint and glass. Paint and glass that could belong to 10,000 cars in this area. What about this uh, garage man, Loper? Did that car... He was just looking for free publicity. He had a car and figured he'd get some mention in the paper. Well, if that wasn't the car, Ben, just keep looking. Maybe a thousand cars later, you'll find the right... Shut up with it. Well, Ben, we all get that way once in a while. I suppose we take you off the case. You're the captain. And, Geiger, I'm giving it to you. Here, you can take Ben's report and work from it. And that's just what I was waiting for you to do. Turn the whole thing over to Geiger. Didn't make any difference who you turned it over to. The phony clues I'd planted on it the night before it'd take ten years to run down. And then I remembered Danker. Criminal, yes. But run down and left to die on the street. And I remembered my own. Captain, that report... Oh, excuse me, Van. Yes, Sergeant? Someone to see you, Captain Jesse. Oh, who? Charles Kennedy, Lieutenant Kennedy's son. Send him in. No, tell him no. Ben, what's the matter with you? What goes on? Oh, Dad, I'm here. Come in, Charlie. What can I do for you? It's about a hit-and-run case. Charlie, I got to, Dad. Captain, uh, it's that Danker case. I'd have come in sooner if I hadn't been up at the county hospital. What do you know about the Danker case, Charlie? It was my car that hit him. Did you know this, Ben? I found it out yesterday morning at the garage. It was my car that did it. But somebody else was driving it. You... You weren't driving it? No. Uh-huh. Suppose you tell us who was driving it, Charlie. My roommate, Rich Blake. I loaned him the car a couple of days ago. When he didn't come back with it, I... found out he left it in a repair shop in town. Well, I went down to take a look at it. And my dad's a cop, and I... I guess I picked up a few things. I, um, uh, I got him right outside. I dragged him down here myself. All right, Geiger. It's your case. Take over and book him. Thanks for coming in, Charlie. Ben, what are you going to do? I guess, Captain, I... I guess you better go and make out my report. So here it is, Captain. My true report. And my resignation. I just want to ask you one question. If it had been your kid, could you have done any differently? Suspense. Presented by Autolite. Tonight's star, Pat O'Brien. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy Show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y.com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, 
Be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.